Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen. With me today is financial advisor Jody Lynn Craven. This is your Daily Dose of Happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. And we're especially happy because today is Canada Day. Well, at least it is here on LOA Today because <laughs> Jody is from Canada and our guest Harmony Whittington is from Canada. So the U.S. is going to have to take a back seat today. The Canadians mm-hmm. have arrived. <laughs> That's, That's the right. way it is here today on LOA Today. No, really, seriously, Harmony, we're, we're so glad to have you here. Harmony Woodington, is, well, I'm not even going to try to tell her story. She's going to tell her own story. And it, it, I mean, we've had a lot of stories here on the show, you know, crash and burn type stories that turn into phoenixes flying. This one is, a, it isn't just a phoenix flying, it's a jet plane. But we'll, we'll, we'll save that for just a moment. Because seriously, this story is, a, is quite the story. I mean, she went through anything you could possibly imagine, she went through it. And she experienced it. And, and most of all, she was open about it. That, that, I think, uh, Harmony, that's what really grabbed me about your story. You were completely open about how you were feeling, which was lost. <laughs> you, were, you, were, you were just <laughs> yeah. in a really rough space. But you're very, very plain about it. Very, very plain and open and honest about it. And it's it's engaging. So first of all, welcome to the program. Second of all, how are you doing? And third, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so very much. I'm absolutely honored to be here and to receive that feedback because I live the story and I don't think you realize how phenomenal it is because you're just surviving. Um, until somebody turns around and says exactly what you just said. So thank you. <laughs> You're very, very welcome. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm not, like I said, I'm not going to try to tell the story. I'm going to let you tell it. So give us, give us the story. Tell us a story. <laughs> All right. I hope you have your tea and your blankets. <laughs> okay. Yes. Comforter is at hand. Uh, amazing. And if you need a weighted blanket, you know, just so that you can stay where you are, you can Beautiful. totally use one. <laughs> Got it. Okay. So. Absolutely, Walt. You're totally right. Um, I do very much believe that it's really important to be unfiltered. And I do get uh, very transparent and guttural unfiltered. And I believe that it's important to do that because I think all of us walk through refining fires in this life, some hotter than others. There's no two ways about it. But there are so many people that walk really hot refining fires that are afraid to speak out and share their story because they think maybe they're a sideshow freak. But if someone like me is brave enough to get up and share that story, um, and I did believe I was a sideshow freak when I was younger, believe it or not, um, it gives others permission to stand up and say, I struggled too. And, And if she thrived, if she came out of it and is doing what she's doing, then I can use my pain to thrive too, you know, and use it to fuel to do something amazing on this planet. So let me step back. Um, to the beginning, my father uh, was born to a man who served in the Second World War and had a severe PTSD in a time when PTSD didn't exist in people's minds. And so we know that a lot of people coming out of the wars that time and previous, it just wasn't honored the mental health issues that arose coming from uh, war in these young men. And they were forced to go home and acclimate to society and be a functional member of society, which we know they struggled doing. And so my grandfather made light of his uh, mental health issues by joking a lot, but not talking about how he was feeling. And, you know, he just got to work uh, surviving and providing for six children who all were raised with severe mental health issues, being raised in southern Wales, which I don't know if you guys know, was bombed a lot in the Second World War. Mm -hmm. It it no longer looks the way that it did. Um, And if you go to southern Wales, one side of it's brand new and then there's like a castle on the other side. It's the most confusing thing I've ever seen in my whole entire life because I did go to my dad's hometown. Um, So my dad actually struggled with severe severe depression and uh, suicidal tendencies. I have had to deal with him trying to attempt suicide multiple times. And that's been a fun ride. And then my mother on the other side, let's get even more crazy, was raised in a satanic cult. So that's super cool. Wow. Um, <laughs> my grandfather was the leader of a satanic cult. You don't get that? That should be so, the title of a book, by the way. That, that's a great title. Right oh, my yeah. gosh. That's, a, that's an amazing title for a book. Yeah. And I want to tell you guys that saying that on stage for the first time, uh, was really terrifying. <laughs> mm. I didn't know if people were going to like, you know, boo me off stage or throw things at me or embrace me. I didn't know how it was going to work, but 
Um, I felt incredibly blessed that after I did say that on stage the first time, I was very loved and embraced, and it helped me to embrace my own story. Um, my mother being raised that way, unfortunately, people who are survivors generally aren't mental health survivors. So they physically will survive, but not their mental health. Right. And my mother had two sisters, so all three of them um, are just not well mentally. And my mother didn't have the capacity to love me um, and to be a mother to me. And she did kind of create a mini cult within our own family and really dictated everything to us. So between my father not being present because he was depressed and suicidal, my mother having really toxic mental health issues, and she had a uh, dissociative disorder um, to the tune of about 300 multiple personalities. So she was very split Whoa. and very, yeah. Whoa. Oh yeah. What? And when she, so, um, so you didn't even know she, what mother you're going to wake up to any given day. It was going to be a different mother. Well, I grew up, I grew up with her being one personality that was the light of the neighborhood and she'd have everyone over and she was super fun and she went to concerts and she had a David Bowie glove and we had a bumper pool table and David Bowie um, stuff was all over the house and she was a party animal. And then um, when my, I was about 11 years old, my parents went to couples counseling for some reason. And then all of a sudden the counselor there, the psychologist surfaced her trauma and then all of a sudden the ritual abuse was surfaced and then this whole cornucopia was just like released wow. and she all of a sudden became a shut-in we weren't allowed to have friends over she wasn't cleaning the house she wasn't parenting i now became mm. the parent at 11 years old i was budgeting mm. for my household i was taking care of my brother and sister i was doing every i was cleaning the house i had to keep, I, it was hard to keep up at that age and then she couldn't find anyone to actually take care of her mental health issues. So I was in my mother's room at 11, 12 years old, helping her to process uh, her trauma memories and integrate her personalities. I somehow managed to figure that out. So I became a counselor at 11 years wow. old. Wow. Well, congratulations. No but my God. <laughs> right? So it was so beautiful the way that it was, though, because uh, being born of a family that didn't have the love for me created a program at a very young age that there was no love on this earth for me. Mm. And that sounds really sad. It sounds really sad. But what ended up happening was, was at like, let's say about 25 years old. Oh my gosh, I need to step back. So I was 19 when I was 19. I was raised Mormon on top of that, which is super awesome. Um, <laughs> that made, gave me a whole other complex. <laughs> um, I was really, really insecure. I was indoctrinated. I was um, an evil devil temptress, according to the church. Because look at me, I do like to belong in that. Seriously, are you kidding me? Um, so they all called me an evil devil temptress. And um, it turns out they were right because I ended up becoming a single mother at almost 20 years old. Of course, I did love the man and we were engaged to be married. It was an accident. Whatever. He's perfect. So it all turned out really beautifully. But what ended up happening was I had a sin that was walking and talking and I was judged for it. That was how they saw it. And so I stayed at home and I looked after my angel until I was about 25 years old. But my lacking sense of self-worth made me not strive further than I, I could have. Um, I didn't know my own mind. I didn't know my own worth. And I actually, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't believe that any university would ever accept me because I was a piece of trash. I didn't believe that the government would give me a student loan because I was a piece of trash. So I didn't even wow. try. I didn't even try. My self-worth was on the floor because of the family that I was raised in and the church that I was raised in. And so I actually ended up becoming an esthetician because I thought that's within my reach, you know? A beautician. I mean, that's a, that's a no-brainer, right? So I ended up becoming an esthetician, and I did that for almost a decade. And then 2012 came, and I had been serving for a while, and all of these people who were deeply self-loathing, which was in vibration with me, obviously, because I was self-loathing too, started to grate on me. And I started to feel like I really want to be able to do something to help these people love each other more, love themselves more, create a life in service of themselves, because they were getting everything done on the external but nothing in the interior was chaining so they had the same story every time they came in they were just deeply miserable and self-loathing and so this this dream this desire was born to want to do more so i started to put it out there to the universe and we don't realize how much it really wants to grant our wishes <laughs> but if we don't actually go and just jump off the cliff ourselves oh it will push us it does mm. yep that happened to me so my son was 12 years old. It was 2012. And I was on my way home from work. I called my angel and I said, I'll be home in seven minutes. And I wasn't. I didn't make it home. I obviously didn't die because I'm not a ghost. I'm here. It's all okay. But 
I didn't make it home. I was in a massive four-car accident on my way home on a rainy October night. And so, of course, you know, the, the ambulance attended and all of that. My head had ricocheted off the steering wheel as a result of a car careening into me at 60 kilometers an hour. And all of that momentum went through me into two other vehicles in front of me. And so it was massive, massive, massive. I ended up with a severe concussion that landed me in my bed for about a year before I was able to even start thinking about how to recover. Um, and I was able to do one service that helped me to keep a roof over mine and my baby's head because my family wasn't there for me. I didn't have friends there for me. I had nothing to financially rely on to keep a roof over my head. So I did eyelash extensions, which was a hangover from my career. My baby would set up, my 12-year-old child would set up a massage table, and I would sit on the couch. I would lash a client. He would put it away, and I would collapse and take painkillers. I could do maybe one a day, and that actually was enough to keep a roof over our heads. Otherwise, we would have been homeless. So I had to keep working, even though I was severely concussed. So I knew, I knew something told me that this was happening for me. And I don't know how I knew, but I knew. And so I just kept asking, like, why is this happening? What am I supposed to learn from this? Like, what's the lesson here? Let's project forward a few years. I, I, I met the man of my life, um, my world, Scotty. And I ended up moving to provide a place for my sister who left her husband and her two kids. Uh, my lash business turned into a full-time thriving business. And I'm sitting there in an ocean mountain view home, looking at the view, drinking a cup of tea, going, oh, I just needed a whole life makeover. I get it. Okay, I'm great. I get it. Okay, universe. <laughs> so then as I started to heal and I had space and I was making money and I had a great relationship and stuff like that, then it was about 2015, February 6th to be exact. It's amazing how these trauma moments anchor in our minds, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I get a phone call. Your dad has attempted suicide and he's in the hospital. And then within five minutes, my man gets a phone call. Your dad has been diagnosed with liver cancer and is in the hospital in Toronto. Wow. What? How does this even, how, how? Like, you can't make this up. And so I had to go to the hospital to take care of my dad and I ratted him out and had a psychiatrist assess him. <laughs> and then he was put in a facility where he could be looked after so that he wasn't a danger to himself. I set him up and then we immediately flew to Toronto to take care of Scott's dad. And while I was pacing the halls of the hospital, I, like you said, felt broken and lost. I, that was my breaking point, like my true psychological breaking point. I felt like an egg that if you tapped me with your pinky finger, I was going to break into a million pieces on the floor. I was so fragile and I didn't know what to do. And fortunately, my man actually had, uh, through his company, he had a 1-800 number you could call. So I paced the halls for three hours of Toronto hospital talking to some unknown dude that apparently had credentials. I don't even know, but I vented. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, when you get back to Vancouver, I'll set you up with somebody that you can talk to. So I did originally use the traditional model um, for a couple of sessions, but it didn't work for me because I had an existential crisis at the same time as a, as a psychosis event as well, or a psychic trauma, you would call it. So, I found that the traditional model didn't cut it for me as a result of the spirituality side of things that needed to be sorted out. Cause my, my dad had said something when he was in the facility that kind of pulled the rug out from under me and I could just no longer be in the faith that I was in. And so I don't know how much you guys know about Mormonism, but essentially when it comes to that space, your, your self is being dictated to you, who you right. become, what you're going to do is dictate. I didn't know who Harmony was anymore when that was ripped out from under me or what I was going to do. And so I went for a walk around a lake with a girlfriend of mine. And she said, you know what you can, the best thing you can do is actually mourn the, the loss of the Harmony you thought you were. Mm. Don't try to take anything on right now. Just mourn the loss of that Harmony. And then when you feel like you truly let her go, then open the doors to creating a new you. And That's that was advice. some of the most beautiful advice anyone had mm. ever given me. And she was like 10 years younger than me. She's amazing. She is a life coach now, but, and I'm not surprised. So I did exactly that. I took time to mourn me. 
And then I opened the doors and I ended up actually being flooded by all sorts of different spiritual walks of life to the point where it was actually overwhelming. And what I found was a lot of people that had actually left Christianity and basically taken on a new guru, leader, teacher, and none of them were owning their power. So it wasn't a fit for me. And I truly ended up coming to the realization that it wasn't outward that I needed to look. It was actually inward. That I had the answers that I needed. And I came to that resolution when I went to a meditation circle. And I didn't know this, but a hypnotherapist was hosting it. <laughs> and she did, she did a guided visualization. And I went into deep hypnosis because I am super suggestible. I go in real fast. And uh, so I don't remember what she said, but I remember coming out and I went from feeling powerless and lost to knowing that I was going to be okay. And I had it. I knew it was good. Nice. I knew it was going to be okay. I just didn't know how. And I went back to my man and I gave him the most amazing kiss ever. And he looked at me and was like, what was that for? And I was <laughs> like, I just know it's going to be okay. I just know it's going to, I don't know. And he's like, but what, how, what happened? I'm like, I don't even know. I went in so deep. I don't even know. I just know it's going to be okay. And because I'm an incredibly passionate, intelligent person, I, t I not only learned and worked with hypnotherapists and healers and did my own healing path, walked the healing path myself, but I became it. So I studied clinical hypnotherapy at the same time, and I studied multiple energy healing modalities. And then I ended up becoming that and then creating my own program and then walking clients through it myself. And in the very beginning, I was letting people come to me with their pain points and resolving their pain points. And what I ended up realizing was that was just symptomatic work. It's like putting a wound on like a broken leg, like, or putting a bandaid on a broken leg. Like that just doesn't go over very well. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not going to fix anything. You got to do major surgery for that and fix the broken bone. So I ended up realizing that I wasn't getting my clients long-term resolution. So I took a step back and said, what is it that's creating the pain point that they're coming to me with? And when I worked with my clients, I would realize that it was from a trauma that happened when they were five years old that needed to be resolved. The pain point was actually just a hint to what we needed to source, right? Mm. The original pain. And so I ended up doing the work to then create a program that holistically helped my client to rate, create resolution in all aspects of their lives, resolving the core and everything else that has gone throughout their lives to help them to truly get holistic resolution and to help teach them how to create an unconditionally loving relationship with themselves. Because when you know your worth, when you love yourself, when you understand the powerful divine being that you are, you're going to invest in whatever it is that comes to you and just say yes and hit the ground running. Nothing's going to stop you, right? Mm -hmm. And then I came to the realization as well that I'm here to flood this earth with love. I have a divine purpose. And I discovered this on my healing path. And I was like, I wonder if other people have one too. I'm going to guinea pig and see what's up. And of course I had some people that wanted to be guinea pigs and wanted to see. And it turned out that everyone that I did this with also had a divine purpose that they discovered. And I'm like, I think this is a thing. And so I integrated it into my program and I found that when everyone discovered their divine purpose, not what they're doing in this life, not an accountant, not a lawyer, not a doctor, I'm talking about what did your soul want to do? And when they discovered that divine purpose, it gave them a purpose for this life. It gave them inner peace that they didn't have before they discovered that, seeking everything from an external standpoint. Mm -hmm. So I put together all of these puzzle pieces that help people to step into their bower, dis discover how it is and why it is they're here on this earth in the first place and develop a solid foundation to be able to step into that. So when they are inspired, they can just say yes and go. And they have me as an unconditionally loving cheerleader to guide them into that as well. Cause I'm always here being like, yeah, you got this right. So I walked an incredibly hot refining fire and I did so, so that when my clients come to me, and they have whatever struggles they have, not only can I sympathize, but I can empathize with that pain so much. Mm -hmm. And I serve my clients with so much love because I know what it's like to be in that place of being lost. And oh my God, if I could hand myself the harmony now to the harmony 10 years ago, this would have happened so much faster. Because <laughs> I tripped along, you know what I mean? Much slower. So I hand my clients me now and they get to, they get to expedite the process and expand within a year instead of 10 years like I did.
So mm. that's kind of my story in a nutshell. <laughs> that was I don't know a about lot. You, Jody. I'm not sure about you, Jody, but I, I have a suspicion that if she was any more passionate, the screen would explode. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hot fire. Yes. Yeah. Like boom. There it goes. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I am very passionate about serving my clients and about my purpose in this life. There's no two ways about it. It was either that or else make a joke about, gee, I don't know if she's passionate enough. It was, I, it was like half, you know, <laughs> but, but wow. Yeah. Well, given what you went through, I can't say it's a surprise. I mean, you, you the, the surprise is that you came out the other end and you actually mm, ended up yes. going inside because that's, that's one of the most interesting thing. And this isn't just, I'm, I'm not coming down to Mormonism. There, there's, this is true for a lot of religious, not just even Christians, a lot of religious sects that they train you to not go inside. It, it's, yeah. it's part of the teaching and, and it's, it's yeah. intentional. There's a lot of debate that, that can be had about why it's intentional, but it's intentional to because they believe for whatever reason that it's not a good idea. And there are a lot of different reasons that they give that I think are nonsense, but nevertheless, they give a lot of reasons. And you managed to get through that anyway. And I'm always in admiration of somebody who, especially when they go through the fires of hell like you did, who finally find a way to go inside despite all of the training. What do you think made the difference? What, what, what was that, that one tipping point that made you say, you know what? Screw what I was taught. I'm going to go inside. Well, I did what I was taught by going out and looking at all different types of uh, spiritual groups and gatherings and everything. And when I realized that they were just attaching themselves to a different dogma with a different leader and weren't owning their power, I realized that this dogmatic world exists everywhere, not just in Christianity. And so I ended up realizing there's got to be more to this. Like, if I can't keep looking outwards to find the answers, where do I look? And that was a puzzle piece, but also going um, to that gathering where the hypnotherapist took us into hypnosis. And I had this powerful shift where I knew it was going to be okay, but I don't know what the hell she did to me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? I don't remember what she said. I just knew it was going to be okay. And so there was something that said she did something when I was in that state that made an internal shift. So I need to look inward to figure out what the f she did with me. You know what I mean? And that started the relationship with myself and with my subconscious mind and me wanting to look inward because I realized there was a power that I wasn't tapping into. Mm -hmm. And that was why I needed to not just work with a hypnotherapist, but become one because I need to, I'm a, I'm a Virgo. I need to tear this stuff apart and analyze it. Right. <laughs> so the analytical mind that I am actually brought me uh, down this path and I just, I love learning. I've always been that way, you know, and I, I find that most religions uh, and churches don't like me because I ask too many questions, right? Because <laughs> I'm a, oh God, I love I learning. You're, you're right? in danger as soon as you yeah. do that. Forget yeah. it. <laughs> That's exactly it. So it just, that hunger, that desire for knowledge and to understand and to then tap into that power that had been tapped into mm. for a hot minute. Um, and then the thing that was really beautiful that I want to call out was because I look the way that I do, people have always treated me like I'm nothing better than a C student because you can't be beautiful and intelligent. It's just not mm. possible to have two in the same human. And so everyone was like, oh yeah, she's going to be a model, but there's clearly nothing else going on, right? And so it wasn't actually until I had the concussion, which I'm incredibly grateful for because when I lost my mind and then I got it back, that was when I actually started to exercise it and pressed it in such a way that I actually showed myself the capacity of my intelligence in a way that I never knew that I had before. Wow. And I came to the true understanding that I am a modern day philosopher and I am incredibly brilliant. And I didn't know that. And now I exercise that and I use that to my client's benefit. And I celebrate every time somebody meets me and discovers how brilliant I am. And I'm like, I know, isn't it the weirdest thing? I've got a rack brains and the looks. How is that even possible? <laughs> I'm a unicorn. <laughs> so it's incredibly beautiful to have these moments of challenge, these brick walls that you hit. Because would I have discovered my brilliance without the concussion? I don't know. Right? 
but now I am owning my brilliance and my intelligence. And I have a collection of intellectual property that rivals some of the most brilliant people on the planet that I'm going to leave behind. You know what I mean? And I'm incredibly grateful for that. So, Mm -hmm. you know, everything that I grew up with being Christian and the mother that I had and the father that I had, that recipe created who I am today and I embrace it and I love it and I celebrate it. And I even thank my parents for being the perfect people that they are to help me become who I am because they are perfect the way they are. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the only way to see it. If you really want to grow and thrive. Yeah. That's, that's so- not easy for most people, especially when they've gone through so much trauma with both of the parents, you didn't even have one stable one that you felt safe with. So dealing with all of your own feelings around it and then, you know, trying to help them through it. Wow. Like at 11 years old, that's, that's absolutely incredible. And the way that you speak of them now, you know, a lot of people would have turned the opposite direction and blamed them for everything instead. Yeah. And I, I think, when we look at it from a perspective of how are they perfect the way that they are, uh, then it, you, ha- you have to answer it in a different way. And mm-hmm. this, is, this is what I ask my clients, right? How can you accept your father or your mother being perfect the way that they are? And a lot of the time when I first ask them that question, they're like, uh, what? <laughs> I don't know how to be with that. I, I don't know how to be with that. And I'm like, that's the question I'm asking you to be with. Because you need to understand, like, are you proud of who you are right now? And of course, the answer is yes, right? Well, you wouldn't be who you are without them being exactly who they are. So they are perfect the way that they are. So the only thing that you can do is go back and thank them. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's fabulous. Uh, by the way, I have to take issue with one thing. You're, you're not the only unicorn. There's a second unicorn on the show, and I'm looking at it right now. But two female unicorns on the same show. Just saying. You got a lot of unicorns. <laughs> you just surround yourself with more unicorns, right? I'm good at that. Hey, it's good to have a skill, don't you think? I mean, I, that's oh, my yeah. philosophy. Yeah, so that, that's my Unicorn that's my magnet. That's it. That's unicorn. Right. I think I'll get that on a t-shirt. Unicorn magnet. I like it. It can even say Canadian unicorn magnet. Yeah, I like that. That's oh. good. <laughs> but, uh, no, Jody. I love your observation, but uh, do you have any questions for Harmony? Anything that uh, jumps out at you that you thought, wow, you really like to pull that part out? Yeah, I well, I'm thinking more about the parent stuff. Um, you know, when 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 people get so stuck on it, it, you know, my parents did this to me or did that to me or you know, whatever, right? And they they start looking at that. That's such a perspective shift. But is there specific tools that you give them, or or even just different perspectives outside of what you've already said that help them start to anchor into that belief? Because I think that that's a huge one. Um, Yes. So I want to call out exactly what you just said. My parents did this to me and did that to me. First of all, I help my clients change their languaging around that. They did this for me, Mm -hmm. right? Beautiful. It's not to they it's for so that I could thrive. So understanding that things don't happen to you, they happen for you is a powerful shift. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then first and foremost, the foundational work that I do with my clients is turning, it's teaching them how to create a relationship with the mind and body, because really in all reality, it's learning how to self-communicate um, that helps you to tap into that brilliance and to access those answers so that you can understand what it is that you, the lessons that you needed to learn so that you can actually thrive. And secondly, I teach my clients how to create an unconditionally loving relationship with themselves. And I have a couple of ways that I do that. One, there's absolutely work that we go through and things that get released and programming that get shifts. But I also give them uh, a self-love journal. And they fill that out every night before they go to sleep. And it takes five minutes a night before they go to sleep. And it actually reprograms the mind for self-love. Um, and it actually bypasses the critical mind using uh, repetition. And it's incredibly powerful. Mm. So when you anchor that self-love in, it actually motivates the person to work more and to say yes to themselves more and to to show up more for themselves doing the work. Because when we don't have self-love, we don't have the motivation to show up for ourselves. So that is a fundamental piece to get them to do the work. Then when it comes to gaining resolution on their parents, I actually do have a a specific exercise. There's so much work that I get my clients to do in the program. I've developed a lot of intellectual property, as I said. But the the one particular one for the parental units 
is uh, redefining yourself is what I call it. And what they actually do is walk through all of their parental units, whether it's uh, parents, step-parents, grandfathers, because we get raised by, you know, different parental figures. And you go through all of those and actually list the things that you like and that you don't like about those mm. those particular people. And then once you're done doing that, I give them some particular teachings that help help them to redefine things. And then once they understand and have integrated those teachings, they sit down and they actually decide what kind of a person they want to be now. Mm. And they redefine themselves because what we generally tend to do is we subconsciously actually become our parents or we run away from being our parents, but we never consciously actually curate who we are becoming, right? And I realized that for myself, I was running away from the idea of being like my parents. Well, at any point, was I going to run towards something? Because I think if you're running away from something, you're going to hit something because you're looking backwards. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's just not a good way to be. You're just going to run I aimlessly know. forever. <laughs> right. And I had, a, I had a moment with my angel. He was about uh, 10 months old. And this is the perfect story to go with it. But he, I was trying on shoes in a shoe store and my angel was at the point where he was running and he knew what freedom looked like. And of course I'm trying on stilettos. So what's my angel going to do, but run for the hills, right? Of course. He runs out of the shoe store and he's like, freedom. And <laughs> I'm like running out of the store and I'm like, Winston. And he's like, ha ha ha. Right. And he runs into a metal trash bin <laughs> at the mall <laughs> and plants his little diaper tush on the ground. Thank God he was wearing a diaper. So it wasn't too bad. But I came over and I looked down at him and said, next time you run away from me, remember this. And that anchored. And he never ran away from me again. <laughs> wow. It's so, right? So we don't realize how much when we're running away from the idea of being like our parents, we're not looking forward. So I teach my clients to consciously create themselves analyzing their parents and curating the things that they loved because we all do cherish certain things that they taught us my parents aren't they did a lot of things wrong but they did some things right my mother taught me to love david bowie and i'm just saying that's a good thing yeah <laughs> you know what i mean sure. so it's important to look at all of that and then decide who you are going to be from a place of love so you can contribute to the world in a beautiful way and become a unique, beautiful individual, right? Yeah, what, so what you're talking about really is appreciation. I mean, it's, yeah. it's appreciation on a broad spectrum and a broad scale, but it's appreciating everything, which is a very advanced concept. It's a concept mm -hmm. that people who learn something about looking within kind of get to last. But when you get there and when you actually master it, that's when you do become truly self-confident, self-loving, self-esteeming. Is that a word, self-esteeming? Well, it is now. So it there. is now. <laughs> I, just, I coined it. Okay, WT. Okay, there. I think one of the biggest moments that was really huge for me, going back to what you were talking about with um, Christianity, you're taught that there's a bus and there's a dude driving the bus, right? There's this big dude who has control over everything in your life, and if you you're sitting in the back of the bus, and if you behave and you're quiet, then you get blessed, right? Mm -hmm. And I ended up having a moment on my journey where I actually realized that there is no dude at the front of the bus. I'm not even at the back of the bus. The steering wheel is actually in front of me and I'm in the driver's seat. And when I had that moment and I realized that and I put my hands on the steering wheel, my life completely changed. It completely changed because I am in control of my reality and I am creating my reality. I'm just doing so with my subconscious mind. So when I learn how to tap into the power of my subconscious mind and I learn how to update my mental operating system, which is exactly like this, it is the same as your phone. It is the operating system is very similar. And how often do we update our phones? It happens automatically, like yeah. once a month at least, right? When was the last time you updated your mental operating system? Like mm -hmm. never, <laughs> right? But we do it regularly so around here, but I get your point. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. That's exactly it. The average person has the programming that was created in their childhood. And that's that's it. That's the mm -hmm. system that they run. It never gets updated. And so when you learn how to tap into that and you learn how to update outdated programming to serve your current agenda, whatever that is, then you can get out of your own way. <laughs> it's yeah. powerful. Right. So powerful. Yeah. 
I remember at a young age, my dad telling me that, you know, your, your values, your belief systems are curated by the time that you're eight. And he'd always say, so we have a bunch of eight year olds running the country and running the world. <laughs> right. <laughs> there you go. Me. Yeah. There's a lot of truth in that now that I think that's actually not only scary, it's real. It's true. Right. The more I think about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are certain leaders that I wouldn't give that much credit to. I don't think they made it to an eight year old (laughs) mentally, but we're not going to name names. (laughs) (laughs) I would be in full agreement with you, Harmony. (laughs) Right. Some of them are still like four year olds or something. Right. In, yeah. in those situations, I like to remind myself that a leader is only a leader when people are following him or her. So I want to look at the people who are following and I want to ask mm-hmm. myself, okay, are they grasping their steering wheels? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. really the real question right there. Because if they were grasping their own st- steering wheels, then the ones who haven't achieved a mental age of eight wouldn't have followers. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, kind they're kind resonating started, with really. someone. <laughs> That, actually, that raises a question. That raises a question. When, when you realize that the steering wheel was in front of you, that it wasn't, you know, some distant part of the bus, it was actually in front of you. Was that a shock? It was a massive aha moment. It was a huge light bulb moment because I spent my whole life feeling like a secondary citizen, feeling like I wasn't enough, feeling like if I could just behave, um, if I could just do what I was told, that I would be blessed. And I struggled uh, to follow the rules. Um, and to be everything they wanted me to be. My, my nature is to be more free and I am a very sexual being as well. So that being repressed was a struggle for me. Um, and so I just felt like, well, I guess I'm just never gonna, I'm never gonna be blessed. I'm never gonna get anywhere in life because I can't follow the rules a hundred percent. Right. And ended up, I ended up realizing that there wasn't some dude in the sky that I actually needed to impress that I was actually creating the misery that I was living. I was the one who was getting in my own way. My programming was stopping me. My past trauma, my own issues was getting in my way. And when I held myself accountable for what I was creating in my life, good and bad, that changed my whole reality. Because then I realized, because you know how so many of the teachers, there's so many people that are out there teaching law of attraction. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, dude, you are one step behind. We're all manifesting generators. We manifest all day long. We just don't want to own the stuff that we're manifesting that we don't like. Nobody mm-hmm. wants to own that, right? So, I mean, nobody wants to own a bad relationship or a piece of crap car or another horrible job or whatever, right? We just want to blame everyone else. But if you put yourself in that perspective, where you never hold yourself accountable for what you're creating, well, then you're never going to change it. Mm-hmm. So True. owning the good and the bad of what I was manifesting then put me in that place where I was able to sit back and go, okay, hold on a second. So what is the program? What is the trauma? What is it that's stopping me from creating what it is that I want to create in my life? And then I was able to get to work and get it done. So the world that I live in now is a world of knowing my power. And that if I'm not manifesting or creating what it is that I want to create, I just need to shift something. There's just something that needs to be looked at, which is why I currently have two of my own coaches. I have a business coach and a personal coach that I work with. Good for you. So I very much believe in always having mentors, coaches, leaders, guides, cheerleaders to be working with us. Because if you don't, I'm just telling you, you're slowing yourself down. You really mm-hmm. are. There's always somebody who's further along on the path that will hold space with love for you and expedite the path. And I am all about expediting things. So, which is why I have two. Why have one when you could have two and you could get it done faster? (laughs) I can identify with that in the sense that uh, here on the podcast with all the guests that I bring on the show who are wonderful and and, fabulous, have all this amazing knowledge to share and so forth. I love the perspectives I get. That's the way I always uh, voice it. I voice it in terms of perspectives because the perspectives are varied, often divergent, often controversial, and I learn a ton from them. Mm-hmm. Yes. I learn so much every single episode. Uh, I mean, I just celebrated my 10th anniversary doing the show and I still do that every single episode. <gasps> every single episode is like, wow. wow. Yeah. It's, who knew, right? Congratulations. <laughs> That's you. incredible. That's a big deal. Oh, that reminds me. I, I, I need to do a little shout out here too, because Jody's been a part of this now for, well, I guess, about half a year now. 
So I want yep. to thank you too, Jody, because you have been an important part in that. Yeah. Thanks. There are, are a lot of show. there are a lot of people who picked up on this kind of stuff when COVID hit, but the fact that you've been doing it for as long as you have, um, I think, is absolutely incredible. You know, because a lot of people pivoted online, including me, uh, when the lockdown happened. So that's got to be incredible. And I have to say, you you must be quantum leaping when you're. Um, constantly bathing in other people's awareness. Cause I know for myself, when oh, yeah. I started doing the work, helping clients expand, um, it, it has me in the work so much that I quantum leap as well. So serving others is one of the best thing that you can do if you want to expand. Just, just make sure you do the work yourself because you don't want to be like spreading your chaos. <laughs> to right. Well, yeah. Well, I actually did that too for a few years. I mean, that was part of it. You know? <laughs> that, that was, was part the of the journey years, too. You know? Yeah, it was. It was. And I had a wonderful co-host named Joel Elson, who is a former therapist and a, and a current life coach. And he helped me through a whole bunch of that stuff. So that was actually the foundation uh, for like oh, the first, cool. uh, no, years three through five, shall we say. That was, that was like the, the main portion. He was on longer than that, but that was like the main portion when we were working on that stuff. And we were doing it in the context of trying to, me learn and us teach what law of attraction was. So the, the, the two were kind of topics that went along coincidentally to each other, but it was a, it was actually a, a wonderful journey and, and picked up a lot of uh, great knowledge and understanding, picked up some great listeners that way. Um, I mean, the whole thing just really just, just came together beautifully. So I, I value that That's tremendously. And, and when you were talking a, a moment ago, you, you've actually mentioned a few times, how um, you, you, you've learned to appreciate uh, your parents, for instance. You've learned to appreciate uh, different elements of your life that would previously have been something you might have put into the bad throwaway pile, but now you take it into the embrace pile, which is a, a phenomenally advanced concept, but it's also a powerful concept. And it's a powerful, mm -hmm. it's not just a concept, it, it, when you apply it, 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 it's a powerful reality. It does mm -hmm. amazing things quickly in your life when you start embracing that kind of thing. Uh, but when you've been doing it during during your life, I, I'm I've got I got three questions in my mind. Which one do I go to right now? Um, but let's go with this one. When you apply that concept in your life and you experience what comes after, do you do you find like I do? Like you're you're amazed. Like it, wow, it just happened again. Wow, I just had another breakthrough. Wow, I just had this other new thing that came through because I appreciated something. I learned to appreciate something that I couldn't appreciate before. Do you find that? Yes, absolutely. Um, it was really beautiful and powerful for me to own just being a divine being in my own right. And everything that's come from owning my own power um, has been absolutely massive. And it really blew my mind um, when I really did the work and I owned it like it's a fact. I call myself a goddess. And I always say that I'm the goddess of love and I'm here to flood the earth with love. And to me, that's a fact. It's not something to be questioned. And when I go out into the world, I don't have to say it to people. People say it to me Ooh. because it is my vibration. Mm -hmm. And the first time that I had someone say it to me without saying anything, just being who I am, I was like, what? <laughs> we don't realize how powerfully our vibration um, is translating and being received. And I played this game with a girl that I used to work with, um, and this was back in the day before my car accident. And I didn't even understand my own power or the teachings of hypnotherapy. But I got her to play a game uh, while we were at work. And then we went out dancing that night. And I said to her, because she was very insecure. I said, I want you to say to yourself all day on repeat, broken record. I am a goddess. I am a goddess. I am a goddess. And she did it all day. And then we got together, had dinner, and then we went to her place and we got ready at the club. And she's looking at herself in the mirror and going, I am a goddess. I am a goddess. I am a goddess. And then we went to the club that night and she ended up meeting a guy and they're chatting and yakking and stuff. And then later after the club closed, she ended up out on the street on Granville and he out loud out of nowhere. I did not hear the conversation that happened before this. He yelled out loud at the top of his lungs. You are a goddess. <laughs> and she looked at him like, what? how did that even happen? I mean, he didn't just whisper it or yelled it on the street. And she was like, Harmony? I don't even know what just happened. And I was like, right? See? What we say to ourselves goes out into the world without us verbalizing it. Mm -hmm. It is so important to understand how we are speaking to ourselves 
and how way more than what we say is being communicated. It's like mm-hmm. 75% or more of, of our actual nonverbal vibration is being communicated to a person. You can read a person walking up to you, how they're holding themselves, how they're walking, how they're dressing, everything. And we make a judgment call before they've even opened their mouths, mm-hmm. right? As to what we think, how we want to treat that person, how close we're going to let them get to us, all of it, right? Mm-hmm. It's a judgment out of safety, but it's also, you know, it's also a judgment as to whether we're going to become friends with that person, if we want to engage with them or whatever it is. And it's all subconscious, yeah. right? So that was a really powerful aha moment for me, being able to have that actual tangible example for myself of how that internal dialogue plays out. Also, I want to quickly speak to um, the toxicity that I grew up in, in the environment that I grew up in around sexuality and how repressed I was. And when I made a conscious effort to heal and expand on my own sexuality, my child, who I wasn't necessarily openly talking about it with, started to come up to me and talking about things that he was curious about with freedom. And he felt the freedom that I was creating and then he felt free to talk to me. And it created a freedom of expression in our mother-son relationship that I didn't have with my parents. And it's such a beautiful, powerful thing. And now I'm seeing my son who's who's engaged and has been together with his partner for four years now, expressing his love in a way that is so free that I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what would I have been like if I was so much younger and my mother had nurtured me like that? You know what I mean? I just feel so blessed to have been able to to do that for my angel and to see how my own healing process supported my angel's freedom. So mm. that was such a blessing. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> kidding. Wow. I mean, yes, one question, Jody, and look what you get, right? Yeah. <laughs> You're loading so much. Yeah. It's just amazing. Absolutely amazing. All right. Let's take this uh, to to a, a slightly different direction. You, you've talked about how you have learned to really appreciate how your parents were able to be helpful to you in, in certain ways in your life and, and to, to appreciate that side of them. I'm curious to know, and, and it's, it's always hard to predict this in advance because you never really know how somebody else is going to respond to a situation, especially somebody you haven't even talked to, you haven't met. And I, have, I know nothing about your parents other than what you've told us here. So I'm, it's hard to know what the response is going to be. And I think that's one of the reasons I'm curious, but you, you've gone through this major transition over the course of many years to the point where you are now where you are, how have your parents responded to that journey now that you've gone as far as you have? Oh, that's, that's such an interesting question. I don't know if I've had anyone ask me that question. Um, so my father and I still have a relationship and my father actually has a relationship with me in secret. He doesn't tell my mother when he comes to see me. I haven't talked to my really? mother in over a decade. Um, so I, I actually had to lie to my mother in order to create freedom because my mother created her own little cult in our family and dictated to us what we were going to be. I wasn't allowed to get a career. I wasn't allowed to get an education. I wasn't allowed to create independence. And I knew that if, um, she told me, you know, if you really want to do this, then pray to God. And if God says you can do it, then I'll, I will support it. So I lied. And I told her that I prayed to God and God told me I had to go to school. So she <laughs> my kids, but I went to school. And I lied and said, God wants me to get a job now that I've graduated school. And uh, so she looked after my kid and I went and got a job. So I had to, I had to play within her rules in order to be able to actually create independence for myself. Um, and when I decided that I was going to move out and take my child with me and become my own person, she didn't like that. And she shunned me. She, she mm-hmm. shut me out because I was never supposed to leave. Um, and so I had to let go of the relationship and mourn her. Um, and what was really interesting was uh, actually just week, last week, my mother almost passed. Uh, she went to the hospital and they found a tumor in her small intestine and they had to do surgery on her and she almost didn't make it. And I had to process some emotions and I've actually come to the realization um, that I need to write her a letter. Mm-hmm. Even though she doesn't want to see me, I do need to write her a letter. And so I bought some beautiful paper and I'm going to be sending her a beautiful letter through my father. Um, 
my dad tells me that he's proud of me and, you know, he supports me as much as he can in his mental state. And my sister, who's an incredibly, very successful um, hairdresser in the, uh, in the film industry, she's working on a, a show right now called Spiderwick, which is being filmed. Um, from what I'm told, Christian Slater's number two. So she texted me and she's like, I just did Christian Slater's hair. And I was like, (laughs) I need to sit down to process this. Are you kidding me right now? And then she called me. She's like, can you believe this is happening? (laughs) So she's, she's a head of department on a show right now, which is the first time she's ever done it. So she's incredibly successful and I'm so incredibly proud of her. Um, but her and I take turns looking after my dad when he kind of has his moments and goes sideways. And I'm incredibly grateful for my sister's support. We have a really good relationship. Um, but my dad, you know, he's there for me as much as he can be, but he's, he's deeply depressed. So there's, I love him and accept him for who he is and for, for what he is. And I spend time with him and accept him for where he's at, which is hard to do because he shows up with dusty, dirty clothes because he's a cabinet maker and, worn down shoes and facial hair and hair that needs to be cut. He just, you know what I mean? I I want everything for him, but we can't rescue people. We -hmm. can't make someone want to rescue themselves. And so my dad and my mom um, have been my biggest teachers of giving people their free agency to be where they are. And so I'm really grateful to them for that lesson because free agency is something that I teach with the freaking passion that just you can't even quell because I don't think that people in this life truly understand how much they give and take free agency. They really don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and I call my clients out on it all the time because they keep wanting to give me their free agency so I can tell them how to live their lives. So when oh, they ask yeah. me a question, I'll be like, mm, you don't get to borrow my power on this one. I'm sorry, honey. Mm-hmm. You're going to answer that question. So how about yourself communicate and get an answer to that? And they're like, why do I keep doing that? And I'm like, it's okay. Through repetition, you'll sort it out. Right. So that my parents are so they're so perfect the way that they are. And even though I don't actually have a relationship with my mother right now, she played her role perfectly. And I I give her her for agency to be where she's at. And I accept my dad where he's at. And I'm grateful that I can still have a relationship with him. Mm-hmm. That's fabulous. Uh, uh, by think- the way, uh, I'll, uh, give me a second, Jody, and then, and then you next. I want to make sure that we get you in there, too. I just wanted to tell you something of what you just said that, that really I think is important. It's important from my perspective. And I'm going to be speaking just from my own spiritual beliefs, okay? So I'm not speaking for anybody else here. But in my world, you didn't lie to your mother. You didn't lie to your mother at all because mm-hmm. we are all elements of source energy we are all elements of god which means we all have god power so that when we speak we are speaking with the voice of god so mm-hmm. no you did not lie to your mother you told her the truth as a as a 20 something year old that was kind of how i saw it i did what i had to do to get my independence <laughs> but i really i accept that and uh, i really appreciate you saying that so jody you're next go yeah i love that walt that's that's beautiful i think that's uh a really cool shift in perspective on how to look at that situation. You just didn't know you were God at that point. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Um, But I think the going back to that free agency conversation, it's mind blowing how often, you know, as you're going through this journey of, you know, self-discovery and, and, and all of that learning about the world, learning about yourself, taking your power back, how often maybe it came from like society or whatever, but how often we're trained to want to take other people's power. They need to be like this. You know, if you want to be in my life, it needs to be like this. And I need you to do this or that or whatever. And we try and stick people in a box and take away that free agency as, as you called it. And I think that's beautiful, you know, allowing people to be where they are and you can feel it when you're talking about it, that there is no attachment one way or another, it is not good. It is not bad. It just simply is. And that's okay. And that, that is such a huge, huge thing to learn and understand it and really anchor into in this lifetime. And in my perspective, for sure. That's so beautiful that you say that. I'm actually very much um, in my book. I talk about uh, diversity and all of the different expressions of love that exist and have existed throughout history. And we've been experiencing one type of relationship for so long that humanity has forgotten what other expressions of relationships look like. And I think uh, post-COVID, 
a lot of people are starting to come out um, and express different ways of being and things are becoming more open. And mm -hmm. I am absolutely here to yell on the rooftops loud and proud that we have absolutely no right to dictate to anyone how they should express their love. And if someone should choose to be in a same sex relationship, <clears throat> to be in a thruple or a quadruple, whatever you call it, a big family. I, would, I have no idea what to call it. Believe me. <laughs> right. Polyamory is essentially what they call it. Okay, or an open right. relationship or a whole past relationship or whatever it is. I am here to say that if we are expressing love, then who is anyone to judge? Right. And if you want to be a furry, if you want, if you want to be pan, if you, whatever it is, actually, my kid taught me what pan was. I was like, is that somebody who loves Peter, Peter Pan? He was like, mom, seriously, can't even with you. And I was like, yeah, but you can odd, right? He's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> That's a great joke. <laughs> I can't even. Why do teenagers hang out in groups of odds? Because they can't even. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I love so that. So what's right? But what's really beautiful about that was he taught me that the term pansexual actually means to love everyone regardless of sex or gender. Mm -hmm. And my son decided that that is how he wanted to identify. And I thought mm -hmm. it was so beautiful being raised in my household where I am here and I am love and I'm here to flood yours with love that my angel decided to identify as something that loves everyone. How funny is that? Yeah. Right. Cause he's a Gen Z and the Gen Zers are labeling themselves like to kingdom come. And I'm not here to judge that they're forcing a conversation around sexuality and I support it. Right. So I think that it's really beautiful to let every generation, to let everyone explore and to label and to play and to challenge and to do whatever they want because the previous generation was fighting for, for sexual equality. And I, I get to live in the world that I get to live in because of that. And the younger ones are, you know, hating on the older generation saying we all messed it up and they're labeling themselves like it's a big maze or something like that, but they're forcing a conversation. And I love that too. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So like every generation and how they're expressing themselves and what they're doing or what they've done is beautiful and perfect the way that it is and how to, how people choose to express themselves whether it's culturally, racially, sexually, relationship-wise, we the more we can celebrate that diversity, the more we can love and embrace the diversity and have conversations, open conversations and share thought processes and and have open healthy debate. People have forgotten how to have a healthy debate nowadays. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, yeah. It's crazy, right? The yeah. more that we can become and accept that we are one human race and that truly we are all divine beings walking a human path in different expressions thereof and that mm. we are all on different places on that path and that where you are is perfect the way that it is. So what right do I have to dictate that you need to be anywhere for my entertainment? Yeah. If I love myself, if I unconditionally love myself and I fill my own void, and I provide myself everything that I need, then why would I ask you to be or do anything to make me happy? Which is why trust actually isn't in my vocabulary, which most people don't understand. Because when you say, I, I, you need to do this so I can trust you, you are binding and oh. controlling someone and taking their free agency because you're telling them how to behave so they can earn your trust. Interesting. It's, it's amazing how, how context makes such a huge difference where it comes to words. And there's a great example of it yeah. right there. What trust is not in my vocabulary. Neither mm -hmm. is the word vulnerability because mm -hmm. I will always own that we are weak, frail human bodies that can be destroyed in so many ways. Cause it's like, why aren't we armadillos? I'm trying to figure this out, right? Like <laughs> we're so frail, right? <laughs> yeah. Armadillos have a way better deal than we do. So obviously we're physically fragile. So to make a judgment call for our safety and to be savvy is very important. That being said, if you understand that you're a divine being and you own your power and you understand that when somebody challenges you or rejects your thought process, they're undressing themselves, not you, and they're just exposing their own programming and it has nothing to do with you, you do not ever need to be vulnerable to anyone's words or thought process, period. The end. Drop the mic. To, to quote Ted Lasso, be curious, not judgmental. That's my I way of saying what you just said. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's exactly it. And it allows for you to um, do exactly what you guys are saying, being able to be open to other people's thought processes and ways of being because you don't have any attachment for lack to what these people are doing. The reason people judge is because they are insecure. There is lack going on. And so they're gaining their sense of self-worth from the approval of others. Mm -hmm. But when you let go of that, then you can let everyone be exactly who they are and just unconditionally love them, Mm -hmm. right? And the only question that you need to ask yourself, letting them be who they are, is do I want to cherry pick this person into my orbit or do I want to leave them over there? Because some people you just want to leave over there to do their thing. They're perfect, but you can stay over there. And then there's other people where you're like, OMG, I must cherry pick you into my orbit because you're just an amazing human. So I cherry pick my peeps. Okay, that's cool. We just hit the hour mark and I realized we actually haven't done the one thing we really need to do. And that is to talk about your book, which is self-love journal. Take the 30 day self-love challenge. And what you were telling us earlier, you know, skyrocketed to the top. So while we we use up all the time, let's take a little time anyway and just tell us a little bit about the book. Okay, hold on a second. So my bestseller, I do have a, a self-love journal. That's actually not my bestseller. My bestseller oh, that's not the best is no, my bestseller is create a healthy romantic relationship. So ah, okay. in the first mm-hmm. lockdown, um, when all of the relationships were being challenged as a result of everyone being forced to spend time together 24-7 with no reprieve, um, some people made babies and some people ended their relationship. There's a lot of COVID babies. I don't know mm-hmm. if you've noticed, but there's a lot of them out there. And COVID so, baby dogs. Really <laughs> yeah, COVID baby dogs. Exactly. Right. I think that's actually going to be a micro generation that's going to be studied, to be honest. Um, those babies that were born during that lockdown period. I'm just saying, hey, mothers, uh, you can make some money off of that when they grow up. (laughs) Um, so what's really beautiful was, was I saw as a result of all the relationships that were ending, so many of the people that I knew were complaining about, um, you know, everything that they'd been through and the dating world and all of the rest of that. And so there were a lot of challenges going on and, I realized that I actually did have, as a result of the work that I've been doing with my clients, the foundation to create a healthy romantic relationship. And I'd been in a healthy one myself for almost a decade. And so I'm like, I really feel like I'm in a good place to be able to do this. And so it just came to me. And from concept to publish, it was five months. Um, Um, And within 48 hours of publishing, it became a bestseller. So clearly the inspiration was absolutely divine because it was very much embraced. Um, and it is a it is a book about uh, romantic relationships that doesn't just honor the foundation that needs to be laid on relationships and stuff. But it also very much talks about what happens in the bedroom, because a lot of the dating books that I've read and stuff, they talk about how to get a person and all the interactional stuff and everything. But for some reason, they're shying away from the sexual side of it. I'm not shying away from that. You need to know how to do it right. Or I'm just saying, it's not going to last very long. So <laughs> can we have a conversation about that? I mean, so much of the time, it's the blind leading the blind. So like, we need to start having a conversation, you know? <laughs> so um, if you guys love listening to me and you love the way that I converse, I want you guys to know that this book is written the way I talk. Everyone that has read it has turned around and said, oh, my gosh, it's so conversational. I was able to sit down and read it in one sitting because it's just such an easy read. And if you want to not only take advantage and take control of your romantic life in the real world, but also in the dating world, understand that you can. You do have control on what happens and who you attract on those dating apps, even though you don't think you do. It's all vibrational. And when you understand that who you're attracting is vibrational and that's happening in person and on the dating sites, you can take control of your dating life overall. And whether you're single or whether you're in a relationship, you can improve the current relationship that you're in, or you can do the work as a single person to create a totally different relationship moving forward. So it's, it's a beautiful, powerful book with teachings that have never been taught before. Beautiful. Wouldn't it be something, Jody, if she actually was willing to, you know, just let it all out instead of hold it back like this? I mean, <laughs> oh boy. So I, I have to apologize because I, I gave the wrong title. So let me read the correct title. The correct title is Create a Healthy Romantic Relationship, Own Your Power, and Take Control of Your Romantic Life Once and For All. So I had to correct that before we got any no further on here. Um, one more piece of information we need from you. How does somebody reach you? How do they find Harmony Woodington? 
If you go to uh, harmonywoodington.com, it's just my name.com. That's my website and uh, all of my offerings on there. And with, throughout the whole website, there's lots of opportunities for you to click on a button to book a soul connection with me, which is the free introductory call so that you can let me know what your current struggles are and how I can support you. So I call it a soul connection because it's really important to understand that we are divine beings. And I am connecting with you and you are connecting with me. So this is what I call it. I'm not like book a discovery call or book a connection call. You know what I mean? We're, we're divine beings. So book a soul connection with me if you want to learn more about how I can serve you. And I'm going to let you know that there is everything from free offerings to very expensive. I'm not going to lie. So whatever your budget is, I am here to show up for you. I made sure that I have lots of different ways to serve people, no matter what their budget is. Well, that leads to my other comment that I, I make it a practice now to make, and that is to speak on behalf of people who you've never met and you've never seen and you never will, will meet, never will see, but who have perhaps read your book or they have seen something you wrote and you touched their lives and you helped them in a way that you never found out about. And on their behalf, thank you for what you've done and what you are continuing to do in your life. Thank you so very much. I absolutely honor the time I've had to spend with you guys and to be able to share my story um, with everyone. And I honor and celebrate the 10 years that you've been doing this and holding space for others to share their stories. So thank you. Thank mm -hmm. you. Appreciate that. Jody. I think once again, we did it. We had we another it. amazing perspective telling a great story. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. Good stuff. I love it. So thank you very much, Harmony. Thank you very much, Jody. Thank you very much to all of our podcast listeners everywhere. And we'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>